0: Over these past few weeks, as Caleb said earlier, we've been focusing on different words during the Christmas season, during Advent, and we've talked about hope, we've talked about peace, and today we're going to talk about joy. And the truth about each one of these is we're looking at them from just kind of a a narrow angle. We're not trying to define the entirety of these words, but it's kind of like looking If you will, at at a diamond or something that's got a lot of facets and a lot of things to it, you can look at it and learn something about it, looking at it from a lot of different angles. And so, a few weeks back, we talked about the fact that hope is alive in the person of Jesus Christ. And, And last week, we looked at peace in the context of being God's presence, that peace is the presence of God. and today. I want to, uh, <laughs> all right, wrong one. You want next week's sermon? It's already written, so hold on. Wow, that was good. I know what, it, I know what the, it is. It's that joy is a choice, but then I don't have my notes after that that remind me where I'm going with that. So there we go. All right. It's been a fun day, hasn't it? <laughs> oh, the weather outside is frightful. All right, but joy is a choice. And not specifically meaning that we can just flip this switch in our head and go, look at me, I'm joyful. Um, if we could do that, then I think that we would see many, if not everyone, just choosing, why would anybody choose to be anything but joyful? But joy is a choice in, in the context of this. It's a matter of focus. I believe it's a matter of focus. Where am I going to choose to put my focus. So follow me on this. Great things are happening around us every day, aren't they? Don't you agree with that? I mean, great things are happening all around us. may not be my experience for the day, but I understand that great things are happening all around us. Now, there's another truth. Tragedy and sorrow are happening around us every day as well, aren't they? These things are the reality of the broken world that we live in. And you know, when I think about the tragedy and the sorrow, I would say this, some of the most anxious and frustrated people that I know do little more than sit around and watch the news and social media all day long. They are captured in these places. Their focus is squarely there. And the enemy is trying to convince us all that things around us are hopeless, that there's no peace that can be found, and that there's really no reason for joy but as I already said, we're reminded in this particular season that hope is alive in the person of Jesus Christ. Peace is found in the presence of God and joy can be my focus. Now let's have a reality check here, right? I'm not saying that we walk around just trying to ignore the bad things. That's, that's not what this is talking about of just going, well, if I just don't look at them, they're not there. That that's not it at all. There's a perspective that we can have even in the midst of the difficulties that are a reality of life. We learn to see them through God's redemption and God's mercy, the work that He's doing in our lives and the lives of people around them. You see, as a follower of Christ, we are God's ambassadors, and our job is to bring hope to the hopeless, to bring peace where there's conflict, and to bring joy, follow me on this, in the midst of the difficulties. It doesn't mean that we walk around oblivious to the challenges of this world. It means that we keep our focus on the person and the work of Jesus Christ, and even in the midst of difficulties, we can have joy. So if we choose to stay focused on the things that God has for us, the path of life that he will lead us on will include joy. That's why we have joy. It's not simply an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's not something that is here for a little while and goes away. It is a lasting joy that comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you sense his presence. You have his presence with you. You follow his word, and you find life. Peter spells this out in his letter, 1 Peter, if you want to follow along with me, it's 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 3. He says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope, a hope that is alive, through The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You... Rejoice in this, even though that now, for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result. In praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. Because you are receiving the goal of your faith. Which is the salvation of your souls. You see, hope and peace and joy are not some self-help life plan. They are results of the actions of an all-knowing and all-loving God. The enemy wants to steal our focus and have us constantly dragged down by the brokenness of life and the things that are around us. And when we go there for a long time, it's a tough place to have joy. But God wants us to see through those things and understand that he's at work even in the midst of them. And so God offers us a different way to live based on the work that has been done in Jesus, God didn't ignore it. He did something about it and he continues to do something about it, not only just by his power, but through his people as well. And so joy is a choice. We continue to choose to focus on the things that God has for us and we live in the reality of the broken world that we're in with joy, even in the trials as this says. Jesus is God's great gift. And this gift brings a joy that endures, a joy that lasts. And you see, this is why. Because God's gift to me, this is what the verse says, will not perish, will not be defiled, and it will not fade. That's why he says here, into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, Kathy, can you hand me my bag? I forgot it twice today. I forgot it in the first service and the second service there, because I, I, I have props today, and I always forget that I had props. So let's think about this. What things fade in our life? Let me give you the answer? Everything. Everything fades. My health fades. My abilities fade. My stuff. Fade. everything fades. And so that's why when when Peter writes here that that we are brought into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading. That's where we get our joy. That if I put my focus on anything else in this world, then it's eventually going to fade out, it's going to perish, it's going to to go away and I'm going to lose my joy because all my joy was in that. But if I keep my focus on the things of God, then I will not lose my joy. And I don't know why I thought about this this week, and I don't know why I remembered that I had this, but when I thought about things that are imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, and compared them to things that are perishable, defiled, and fading, I'm going to share part of my life with you today. I'm going to trust you with this, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Pooh Bear. This This was my Pooh Bear. Toddler Lindell's Pooh Bear is right here. Now, there's a truth about this. This is Pooh Bear 2.0 because Pooh Bear 1.0 was perishable. Uh, He was very defiled and and he faded quite a bit. And they finally had to take Pooh Bear 1.0 away from Toddler Lindell and slip in Pooh Bear 2.0 because Pooh Bear 1.0 could not handle the wrath of the toddler, okay? Now, I, I was too young to remember this specifically, but, of course, I've grown up in a family where I see pictures all the time, and it's like, oh, there's a picture of little, little, oh, look, there's Pooh Bear. with. It. I mean, this thing was with me all the time. And if you'll notice 2.0, his, his shirt couldn't make it, so we have naked Pooh Bear. Sorry about that, all right? But, uh, but this, is, this is the truth about it. It was just something that, to me, Obviously, as a toddler, it was comforting. It was something I wanted. It was something that was here, but it couldn't make it. It couldn't last. It couldn't even stand up to the fact that there was just a toddler with it, but the thing just fell apart. And, and I don't know why I thought about it this way, but I was like, you know what? We still do that. What's our pooh Bear? What's our poo bear today? What are we holding on to? And we're thinking, man, this is it. And I just got to keep to this and I got to hold on to this. But really what's going to happen is that over time it's going to fade away. It's going to be defiled. It's going to perish. It's not going to last if you're holding on to anything else in your life other than the work and the person of Jesus Christ. That's it. It's the only thing that lasts. It's the only thing that fulfills and so our focus can't be on the things that fade because if they are, then we're going to be sorely disappointed. I am, I'm told that it was quite the thing to exchange the poo bears because I was quite disappointed that I was losing one. And so it, it just works the same way, I think, in our life where we go, man, I can't, I don't know that I can live without this. I don't know that I can do without this. I've just got to have this. And then, you know what? The truth is the enemy knows exactly where your focus is. And those are the things that he's trying to take away. He steals those things away from me because you think that I've got all my, my focus and all my love and all my, I mean, everything's going to be okay because I have this. And then when that thing fades away, what are you left with? You're left with nothing. So you have to have your focus on Christ. And so because of the work of Jesus, we can see beyond the things of this world. And we can live well in this world with that perspective of things that are bigger and better than this world. In Philippians, Paul puts it this way. Our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body. By the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. And so this is what's happening. God is transforming us. He's changing us. He's moving our focus from the things that are of this world to things that only he can do by his power. And in that, we have joy because we go, man, if I'm only looking at the things of this world, they're constantly fading away. They're constantly deteriorating. They're constantly leaving me short. But when I look at the things of God, I'm constantly getting reminded that there's so much more than this world so we find joy in the work of God that's happening in our hearts where God is doing the work of transformation. And can I just point out something here? He doesn't say that God is transforming the world around us. Because some of us are convinced that the only way that we're going to have joy is when everything around us changes. And God says the path to joy is the transformation that happens in our heart. As we begin to find our satisfaction and our peace in his presence and the hope that comes in knowing that he's alive and that he's at work. That's where the transformation happens. You see, that's where we find joy that God is working in our hearts inside us. And that leads us to a place where we can begin to see this truth. That God's care for me is actually greater than the world's chaos around me. They're both true. God cares for us. There's chaos around me. But the truth is, God's care for me is greater than the world's chaos around me. That's why Peter writes, you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you will suffer grief in various trials. You see, we will have trials The Bible is very clear about that. We will have trials in this world. We will have difficulties. We will have struggles. And I'm convinced, because God's word says it many, many times, that how you face trials says more about your faith than anything else in this world. You see, because it's easy to trust God on the mountaintop, isn't it? It's easy to trust God when everything's are going as we think that they should go. But, but when things start to go south, when things go sideways, when things begin to perish and fade and deteriorate, then where do we look to? What's going on? And I, I love what the psalmist writes. It's not on the screen for you this morning, but it's one of my favorite psalms. It's Psalm 121. And the psalmist writes these words, I lift my eyes toward the mountains where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then look at this. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter By your right side, the sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and your going both now and forever. Six times we're reminded that God is our protector in that verse. We're reminded that we're going to face difficulties in life. And when we're in that valley and we look up toward the mountains... And we ask the question, where does my help come from? It deserves an answer. Does my help come from my friends? Not according to the word of God. Does my, does my help come from social media? Not according to the word of God. Does my help come from the government? Not according to the word of God. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth because here's another truth about things in our life that are perishable and broken and fade and deteriorate even our relationships run into that at times now I know we have good and strong relationships and I know we have difficult relationships relationships are their own thing aren't they There's a whole sermon's about that but just follow what I'm saying if my faith as much as I love my wife is solely based on my joy being that she has to be everything for me. I'm setting her up for an impossible task because she cannot be everything for me, nor can I be everything for her. So our relationship even rests on the power of God, that if we're going to be what we need to be as individuals, and it's going to be by the power of God, not because we have a strong marriage. In fact, we're not going to have a strong marriage without the power of God. It all centers back to what God is doing. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. And when we lose focus on that and we think that my help's supposed to come from my relationship and I feel like that I'm not being helped, then what does it deteriorate? It deteriorates my relationships because now I'm mad at all you people because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. But what about when I reach out to my friends and I think that they're supposed to help, but yet I still feel this way and now I still feel lost because I didn't look to the Lord. I looked to my friends and then... Now I'm mad at all my friends and that's deteriorate. You see how the enemy just wants to steal our focus and he wants to distract us and say, God's not going to do that. You need to do that over here. And then we try to do it our way and then it fails. and He goes, no, I told you, God must not love you. You see, we've got to understand that everything that we have and everything that we need comes from the Lord. And we will face trials and difficulty in this world, but we can have joy in the midst of it because of the work of God. How Are you facing your trials? In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes these words. So whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. You see, God provides a way through the trial, not around the trial. And he says, I will walk with you through this. You can have joy. You just follow me through it. There's brokenness. There's difficulty. We're going to go right through this. You keep your focus on me. And though we're going to deal with this, you just stay focused. And when we lose our focus, that's what I love about the the practical reality of Scripture. Whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall because there's a truth here, right? We can stand for 10 years and fall in 10 seconds. And that's the sad truth of the world that we live in. And then all the things that we've stood for for forever can just crumble down. That's where the enemy's trying to work. We just lose a little bit of focus for a little bit of time. And students, I I said this earlier, I'll say it again. That's why people pour into you and love you that are adults that at least we tell you, hey, um, don't do that because I did that and that doesn't work. And so at least make new mistakes. But you know what else this verse says? It says, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. So here's another truth about this. The devil doesn't have a whole lot of new tricks because the devil doesn't need a whole lot of new tricks. We keep falling for the same old ones. And so there's some things that we need to learn that we have to keep our focus on Jesus. And it's easy to stumble and fall if we just take ourselves off of him for just a little bit. But sometimes the damage we do to ourselves and to others by losing focus for just a little bit is something that just doesn't get easily dismissed in our life. And things begin to crumble. You see, there's a reality here that following God's way leads to life and anything else leads to pain. It's just the truth. And I know it seems so epic and big, but it's, it's just the truth. And when you learn to just humbly accept that God's going to guide me and, and I, he's going to lead me through all of these things, if I just stay focused on him, that's where you can have joy in all of these situations. It's because of God's goodness that I can rejoice. It's because of God's goodness that I can rejoice. It's not because of the situations that are happening around me. That's temporary happiness. And we have those moments and we praise God for them. But the joy that we're really looking for comes from one source and one source only. It's the goodness of God. So it says in this passage that you may have to face trials for just a short season, right? Can I ask you a question? In God's eyes, how long is a short season? Now compare that to your eyes and how long a short season is. Peter goes on later in this book and he writes that with God a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. Can I ask you again, how short is a short season? So if we're looking at our timeline, a short season is like, can we be done with it? But sometimes God leads us through a trial that, and I don't mean to say this to make you feel hopeless, But sometimes God leads us through trials that last lifetimes. And he's still good. And his goodness is still worthy of us rejoicing. And his word is still true. And he's still at work. And he still loves us. Because these trials are temporary compared to the greatness of God for all eternity. We always want bad things to move along a little bit quicker. And God is always at work in them. You see... It's because of his goodness that I can rejoice no matter what my situation is. And that's why Peter writes, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. You see, the bottom line truth is right here. If you truly believe in Jesus, then you will follow him. And if you follow him, if you take his word and you live it out and you begin to find life in the person of Jesus Christ and the words of Jesus Christ, then as you live this out, he will lead you to life. And the life that Jesus leads you to has hope and it has peace and it has joy. The psalmist writes in Psalm 16, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy and at your right hand, our eternal pleasures. God wants you to find life. He wants you to have hope and to have peace and to have joy. And it comes in knowing him and following him. So I want to close the message time today with a question I want to give you to think about. And Caleb's going to come up. He'll be playing. I just want you to think about this for a minute. What is the goal of my faith? Just let that rattle around in your head for just a second. What is the goal of my faith? Let me word that same question a few different ways. Why do I follow Jesus? If someone were to ask you the question, why do you put your faith in Jesus? What's the point? How would you answer that? And just really let that sink into your heart this morning. Let me give you some possibilities, some things that I've heard from people, some things that I've seen in Scripture. Is it for the blessings? Well, When I follow God, then he blesses me. And is that the answer to, to the goal of your faith? The goal of my faith is to receive blessings. Is that it? Is it is it for recognition that if I if I follow Christ, then I, I get to I get to be somebody. I get I get to do something. That's the goal of my faith. I mean, we even see where the disciples were jockeying for position. Hey Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, can, can I be at your right and my brother be at your left, and and can we have this this position as that? Why we're pursuing our faith. It's for power. You know, I just, man, I see something here and, and I think that if I follow God, then I'm just going to be able to do all these things that I can't do without God. And I'm going to have this about the one I talk about probably on a regular basis in our culture. Is it for comfort? (laughs) Do, Do we follow God because it's comfortable And because we believe that if we follow God and we do things his way, then I'm going to just have comfort. I'm not going to face any difficulties, and I just really am pursuing that comfort. I would just tell you, the blessings of God are real. God does desire to bless us. You are fully known and fully loved by God. You're recognized, and you are someone in him. And you have a position, and that position is a child of the King. And you have the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. And you have a peace that goes beyond understanding that provides comfort in our life. But none of those things are the goal of our faith. Peter said it in this passage. The goal... Of my faith is salvation. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though not seeing Him now, you believe in Him. And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation your souls. The goal of the work of God in your life and mine is to save us from our sins, to redeem us and make us right with him. And I want you to hear me on this. He's already proven that whatever it takes to reach that goal, he's willing to do it. He sent his own son as a sacrifice in our spot. He paid the punishment for the sins that we deserve the punishment for. And he made a way for us to find life in Christ. And you are receiving the goal of your faith, which is salvation through God. All the other things that we receive in this world are temporary. But that salvation is eternal. Paul writes Philippians 2 Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. I'll read that one again. Do everything without grumbling And arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless, even in the middle of a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast. In the day of Christ, that I didn't run or labor for nothing, but even if I'm poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Joy is a choice. It's choosing to follow Jesus Christ. And when we do, we have the comfort in knowing that I am saved. And my salvation is in him. Would you pray with me?